Come what might, I should have done with suspense and bring matters to a head tonight. She could but refuse me, and better be a repulsed lover than an accepted brother. So far my thoughts had carried me, and I was about to break the long and uneasy silence when two critical dark eyes looked round at me and the proud head was shaken in smiling reproof. I have a presentiment that you're going to propose, Ned. I do wish you wouldn't, for things are so much nicer as they are. I drew my chair a little nearer. Now, how did you know that I was going to propose? I asked in genuine wonder. Don't women always know? Do you suppose any woman in the world was ever taken unawares? But, oh, Ned, our friendship has been so good and so pleasant. What a pity to spoil it. Don't you feel how splendid it is that a young man and a young woman should be able to talk face to face as we have talked? Oh, I don't know, Gladys. You see, I can talk face to face with... with the station master. I can't imagine how that official came into the matter, but in he trotted and set us both laughing. That does not satisfy me in the least. I want my arms around you and your head on my breast, and... Oh, Gladys, I want... She had sprung from her chair as she saw signs that I proposed to demonstrate some of my wants. You've spoiled everything, Ned, she said. It's all so beautiful and natural until this kind of thing comes in. It's such a pity. Why can't you control yourself? I didn't invent it, I pleaded. It's nature, it's love. Well, perhaps if both love, it may be different. I have never felt it. But you must, you, with your beauty, with your soul. Oh, Gladys, you were made for love. You must love. One must wait till it comes. But why can't you love me, Gladys? Is it my appearance, or what? She did unbend a little. She put forward a hand... Such a gracious, stooping attitude it was. And she pressed back my head. And then she looked into my upturned face with a very wistful smile. No, it, it isn't that, she said at last. You're not a conceited boy by nature, and so I can safely tell you that it's not that. It's deeper. My character? She nodded severely. What can I do to mend it? Do sit down and talk it over. No, really, I, I won't, if you'll only sit down. She was looking at me with a wondering distrust, which was much more to my mind than her whole-hearted confidence. How primitive and bestial it looks when you put it down in black and white. And perhaps, after all, it's only a feeling peculiar to myself. Anyhow, she sat down. Now tell me what's amiss with me. I'm in love with somebody else, she said. It was my turn to jump out of my chair. It's nobody in particular, she explained, laughing at the expression of my face. Only an ideal. I've never met the kind of man I mean. Tell me about him. What does he look like? Oh, he might look very much like you. How dear of you to say that. Well... What is it that he does that I don't do? Just say the word. Teetotal, vegetarian, 
aeronaut, theosophist, superman? I'll have a try at it, Gladys, if you'll only give me an idea what would please you. She laughed at the elasticity of my character. Well, in the first place, I don't think my ideal would speak like that, she said. He would be a harder, sterner man, not so ready to adapt himself to a silly girl's whim. But above all, he must be a man who could do, who could act, who would look death in the face and have no fear of him. A man of great deeds and strange experiences. It's never a man that I should love, but always the glories he had won, for they would be reflected upon me. Think of Richard Burton. When I read his wife's life of him, I could so understand her love. And Lady Stanley, did you ever read the wonderful last chapter of that book about her husband? These are the sort of men that a woman could worship with